to our Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they faced throughout their careers, how they became them and what tips they for girls of my age. Today my guest is a long-time friend of Reach, Juliet Slot, who is the Chief Commercial Officer at Arsenal Football Club. Prior to Arsenal, Juliet was the, com- was the Chief Commercial commercial officer at Ascot Racecourse. Thanks for joining me today, Juliet. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role you have today? Very delighted to be here, Grace. So I've been working in the world of sport for just over 30 years now. Um, My journey has been both rights holder side, agency side, and also had a little detour into the Olympics. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it started... um, my first main job was with Adidas International in Germany. Um, I did, I'd done preceding that, I'd done two years as an agency, um, where I badgered, badgered the owner to give me some internship work and, um, eventually managed to persuade him to, um, give me an opportunity just at the very bottom of, uh, of the rung. Uh, I worked my way out that for two years and then I managed to move to Adidas. And I did five years for Adidas International in Germany. And then I moved back to England and was lucky enough to land a role at Fulham Football Club as the commercial director. Again, I did another five years. And then I did a little sideways move after that because the Olympics um, bid was on. And I was I'm absolutely fantastically interested in the Olympics and passionate about it. And so I um, put myself forward to help them raise money to sponsor for the sponsors uh, of the bid. Once we won the games, um, I then made a move um, out of the um, from the bid team into um, seven years on different agencies and then finally ended up at Ascot Racecourse, where I did nine years as the chief commercial officer. And now I find myself back in football uh, at Arsenal. So I'm very lucky I've been on the business side of sport for 30 years and uh, I feel very um, like I've had um, a lot of great experiences both sides um, in terms of what I've done and um, a lot of experiences that uh, have been slightly challenging as well. Mm. Well, when you were at school, did you know that you wanted to have a career in sport or did that happen more later in life? I had no idea what I wanted to do at school and in fact most of my time at university but what what sparked my interest in working in sport was um, in my last year at Bristol University where I was I stood in an election to be the athletics union president so this is a student position where you take a sabbatical year from your degree and you run a certain area of the student union and I stood in the election and I was going to run the area of sport Um, and I did it because um, a friend of mine had done it the year before and I thought it looked quite interesting Uh, I won the election and I found myself in my first paid job, which was an officer of the Student Union of Bristol University, running the sports teams. And what that meant was I ran, we ran all the budgets for all the different sports clubs at the university. And we represented them to the university. And we also had to fundraise and develop different events to try and raise money to cover some of the shortfalls we had in our sports funding. And one of the things I created was a half marathon, the Bristol University Half Marathon, and I had to go and find sponsors for it. And I did my first sponsorship deal at university with Deloitte, who were um, in the Bristol branch of the Deloitte, um, a big consultancy, accountancy company. And that gave me my first taste of trying to sell something to somebody to give them value back for their sponsorship and creating a set of rights packages. And yeah. so I kind of got the idea, well, maybe this could be something I do for a living. Well, you mentioned that you went to Bristol University. 
But how important do you think it actually is to go to university? Um, that's a very good question. And I think that uh, if you don't know exactly what you to do, what you want to do, going to university is a good place to further your educational skills. Um, whatever degree you do, you continue to learn around um, gathering and taking taking uh, and understanding a lot of information and then consolidating it into a, a clear uh, a clear outcome in terms of the history, in terms of the, the arts degrees, or if you read economics or some of the more science-based degrees, you learn lots of different skills that are relevant to the workplace. In addition, at university, you develop as a person uh, in a way that you can't do at school because you have a lot more freedom to explore the interests that you want to do rather than within the school curriculum. And I think that development of your mind and your interests can help shape you in help shape your thinking around what you might want to do. Um, however, you know, you do have quite a lot of debt, so it's not something you should take on lightly. Um, but I do believe that it will equip you uh, in a way that uh, you don't that you can't do coming out of school. That said, I do have several friends who went straight from school into um, into the workplace and you get a different type of development in that way. So I think it's very much a question of trying some work experience if you can, seeing whether you want to do university. And I would just caveat this with one thing that if you can, uh, you've got to work for your career for 75 years of your life, probably or 65 years of your life um, or maybe I don't know how long you will work for, but you certainly work for a long time in your life. And uh, uh, if you can have a little bit more time to do something that isn't work related in a university degree, in a university career, um, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Well, obviously, sport was hit really hard by COVID and things are just beginning to feel normal again. But how have you had to deal with the COVID-19 issues, both personally and professionally? Oh, well, that's a very good question. So personally, I think was a big change is going from going to an office every day and then suddenly being on laptop with uh, all your team and doing all your meetings um, uh, on Teams or Zoom calls and trying to run um, what your your day to day job keep people motivated work out if people are are doing all right. We had lots of members of our teams that were either living on their own or they didn't have proper workplace set up at home, um, and it you know and and it could have been quite lonely compared to being in the office. So um, for me, it was probably a little bit easier because I had all my family at home and uh, I wasn't doing a long commute, um, so I had more time um, uh, to be at home rather than be commuting in between home and work. That said, sometimes you ended up spending more hours in front of your computer than you would have done if you were in the office. And I really, really miss the office environment. In terms of uh, the impact on us, well, I, my, my role um, at Ascot was where I had the most impact of COVID, where we obviously had to refund a lot of tickets for people who couldn't come to the Royal Ascot. We had to work with our sponsors to see how we could um, give them different rights in lieu of the um, of refunding them. And we also had to um, work with all of our different stakeholders on actually trying to actually put on the event under the very strict um, rules and regulations of COVID. Um, so it was a it was a, it was a very very challenging time mm-hmm. from an Arsenal point of view. It has been hugely uh, impactful because we've had whole, a whole season where we couldn't we played behind closed doors. So we lost all our ticketing income, which is a hugely important part of the club's income. And we had to work very hard with our with our partners and sponsors um, who were amazing and supportive of us um, to give them alternative rights and also um, to 
to rebuild the um the the fans trust in coming to big uh, events and and stadiums you know lots of people have been very scared so we had to put in place a lot of protocols um which put a lot of impact and effort from all for all of our teams so yeah it has been a big challenge for people and culturally uh, as an organization coming out of covid we're having to really look to rebuild the culture for the teams bringing them back into the office getting them working together uh, rather than working from home and finding a new sort of flexible working model, which was uh, different to what we had before. Of course. So you mentioned earlier that you spent quite a long time at at Ascot Racecourse. But how do you think that job led you and prepared you for your job now at, at Arsenal? It's really interesting that you might think it's very different, but as a chief commercial officer, your objective is always to drive um, the revenue in for any organisation you work for and do that in a way that is that is reflective and respectful of the brand that you work for. So um, and obviously delivering products and services that your fans or supporters or in the current in, in the context of a race course, your race goers want. So um, I use very similar skills at Arsenal than I had than that I was using at Ascot. I have a very different audience that I need to understand. I have um, a different financial and commercial setup. Um, the numbers are much bigger in football. Um, but in essence, I'm doing quite a lot of the similar things. I'm looking at the products we offer. How can we improve the customer experience in the stadium? How can we improve what we offer digitally to our fans internationally? How can we develop better content plays? All of those things are things I was looking at at Ascot. And I'm now doing the same thing at Arsenal. Well, being a part of Arsenal must be quite a busy job, but do you have any hobbies that help you to relax outside of work? I I do have some. I wish I had more time to do them. Um, if I if I uh, if I was lucky enough, I'd go horse riding because I find being on the back of a horse very very relaxing. <laughs> but uh, instead of doing that, um, I do a lot of walking with my dogs, um, and I also. Um, do cycling, uh, road cycling as well. So I, I try and keep busy uh, outside, outside work as well as seeing my friends and family. Well, throughout your career, have you had any mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly admire? Very good. Um, I've had several mentors of people who I've worked with um, uh, in terms of um, one or two of my chief executives I've worked for have continued to talk to me uh, and mentor me through um, some of the, the challenges that you have in your day-to-day life. I always think it's really good to have a mentor outside work because they can give you a different perspective on some of the issues that you face versus having somebody in inside work. Um, in terms of people I admire, I think Sue Campbell, who is um, one of the most successful women in the world of British sport, uh, is hugely um, is somebody I admire hugely, not least for her whole career, but what she's actually done in the last few years for driving the women's football agenda at the FA, which is reflective in some of the work that we also do at Arsenal and together between the, the football clubs that are in the WSL and the FA, we have seen a huge rise in support and professionalisation of the women's game, which can only be a really good thing for football. Of course. Well, talking about more women playing football. The world is changing so much and so quickly, but what do you think work for women might look like in 10 years' time, especially in the world of football or sports? If uh, Well, my ambition is to have a full 60,000-seater stadium full of people watching uh, women's games, potentially having double headers, 
um, that we that we've generated significant increases in our broadcast and commercial revenues to support the growth of the women's game and that there are more young women coming through school who view the idea of having a professional or even a semi-professional amateur career in football as something that is absolutely um, a achievable and we be something that aspirational. Um, in terms of the rest of women's sport, I see that women's sport is rising in every, on every basis. Um, I'm also on the board of the British Olympic Association and we sent uh, 50% of our athletes to the Tokyo Games were women. Um, and so we had for the first time at 50% men and women. We had slightly more medals in the women's uh, for women than we did for men. So I see that um, in many sports, there's a huge opportunity for female athletes to really succeed. The funding is is growing. Uh, it's um, it, uh, there could always be more, but I genuinely see that um, there is a huge opportunity and. I hope that one of the things that hasn't happened as much uh, is that women's sport is watched by as many people on on television. But I see that as changing. Uh, and already we've seen the WSL, our audiences have grown 45 percent year on year. Mm-hmm. So the more more people watch, the more people follow on social media, the more people um, who engage in women's sport, the more women's sport as a whole will grow. And I think we will see a fundamental shift. I think it's going to be the biggest shift in sport in the next 10 years will be the rise of women's sport. Of course. So throughout your career, you must have gathered loads of tips and tricks for young girls when they start to think about their careers and their future. Can you share some? First of all, don't view yourself as um, being in any way um, unable to do anything that a man can do. Um, I think lots of people think, oh, I'm going to be a woman and maybe I might want to be a mother and can I have a full career? I've been a full time mother. I've got three children and I've had a great career and you can do um, you can have both. I think you have to um, you will have to make some compromises in your life. And um, but I don't think they come at a massive cost. I think they come at just being having to be very organized and and also and also accepting that um, that you won't you know that you that you won't um, you you won't always be with your children if you want to have children. I think that the workplace is very different um, to the workplace that I've started in. And I'm really pleased to see the changes um, that come with um, uh, that have come in terms of the, the maternity policies, in terms of the, um, the the real focus on the diversity agenda around um, companies, so that you have a more diverse workforce, not just not just with women, but also culturally um, diverse in terms of uh, the the BAME um, and ethnicity that we have uh, in 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 all industries. But I do think that um, one of the things one of the tips that I would say is that um, is to not believe that you have a glass ceiling, you're limited. Mm-hmm. Try and follow your passion, follow your dreams and believe that you can have a career, whatever it is, even if at the moment it's a career that is perhaps dominated by men. Break, break through the barriers and you will be able to make um, you will be able to do what you want to do. I, I genuinely believe that for the younger generation now, the opportunities to be what they want to be are absolutely there. Uh, and it's a question of dreaming high and working hard to get there. Of course. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Juliet. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own careers. Well, keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. More information about us is at reachnextgeneration.com. And thank you to our sponsors, Barclays Bank, Levi Strauss, Sage PLC, Haynes Watts and Ideal Standard.